Good morning. Again, good morning. We want to welcome you here at West Irwin Church of Christ and those who are live streaming. I have a few announcements. A new singing class will begin on Sunday, June the 12th at 5 o'clock p.m. in room 402. And Kelly Ross will be coordinating this singing class. And it's an opportunity to learn some new songs. And also a a reminder about your blue cards. If you could put them in the back in the boxes in the foyer or leave them in the seat of the pews so they could be visible and be picked up later. The Young at Heart will be meeting at the Family Life Center this Thursday at 6 o'clock p.m. Potluck and a little music there. Uh, Also this Monday, Wes Irwin will host Karen Kitchen. Uh, family graveside service was held Saturday, yesterday, for Julie Montgomery. And Julie is the daughter of Sue Hughes and the mother of Adam Montgomery. And a memorial service was held for Betty Thorne's son, Reggie, yesterday here. Uh, tomorrow, Ponda Wright will have knee surgery. And Kara Mink's father, Jimmy Shoemaker, he's been having some heart issues, but now he's home. And Eddie Hodges will be meeting with the Impact Medical Team on June 21st, and he's our one-year-old grandson. We appreciate your prayers. Aiden O'Donnell, grandson of Joanne Wilson, continues to struggle with lupus issues and dialysis treatments. And today we want to wish Karen Womack her 96th birthday. Happy birthday. Oh, there you are. Look at that. Let's go to our Father in prayer. Lord, you are the all-knowing, ever-present God. We know that in the beginning you were there, and you are with us in our highest highs, and you celebrate our joys, and you are with us when we're experiencing our lows. Fathers, we have members that are dealing with health issues and grief, and we lift these names before you now into your hand for comfort. Ponder Wright, Jimmy Shoemaker, Eli Hodges, Aiden O'Donnell. And Father, our thoughts are upon the families and loved ones and the passing of Betty Thorne's son, Reggie, and the family of Julie Montgomery, daughter of Sue Hughes, and mother Adam, and the families of Pat Pattern and Roy Bench. We pray for peace at and comfort to be upon them as they deal with their grief and loss. We are thankful for those in the military, and we ask you to protect them from all harm as they protect us. And we pray for our teachers, our health care workers here and abroad, and all who are willing to help others. We pray for our police forces, our firemen, and emergency responders. We understand that some days their job could be in an instant required them to make a crucial decision in a very complex situation. We pray for them to have the wisdom and the knowledge to make the best decisions. And we thank for each one of them for performing these crucial services to our communities. We pray for our commander-in-chief and the military leaders and government leaders of the world to seek peaceful settlements to 
international disputes. We ask you to bless the leaders with the knowledge and wisdom to find the justice and to resolve the Ukraine issue. Father, we ask you to bless Bill Allen presenting the word in such a way that each of us will be strengthened and encouraged to put God first. Father, daily we, we see evil at work. We see it in the media, in our lives. We see people without God who consider the life as only what they make of it. Lost people who believe only in themselves, having no purpose, no joy, no hope, and some living lives full of anger. And Father, as disciples of Christ, bless us with the wisdom words to rightly handle the word of truth for all people. For we know that you sent your only son, Jesus, to seek and save the lost. And as Second Peter 3, 9 says, that you are patient not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. For through Christ, our lives have value, purpose, and hope. Help our lights shine brightly in this dark world. Let us hold on to the hope we profess. Encourage one another toward love and good deeds. For we can defeat evil by doing good. Father, we thank you for that we have the freedom together this morning to praise you. May our worship today be in spirit and in truth. For we are grateful that through Christ we have a purpose regardless of our shortcomings. May we never take grace and forgiveness for granted, nor the hope for our future home in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let us all please stand as Gary Abels leads us in song, Step by Step. Oh God, you are my God, and I...
This is a story about redemption taking place on the outskirts of a town in a place called Skull Hill. The Son of God is wearing a th- crown of thorns with his nails in his hands and his feet, a cross of agony being put to death through the cruelty of man. We come each Sunday to remember the gift from God and his love for for you and me. This story is about salvation of mankind, but there's also a sub-story. That day, that day two thieves were being executed with Jesus. They were sinners. They were sinners like me. But they were expecting what was going to happen. They were going to enter. They were going to enter eternity. But then, to their surprise, they came face to face with the Son of God. One of the men had so much anger and rage that he uh, he could not have a decision to die alone. To die alone and have no hope. But the other sinner had 
had apparently listened to Jesus in the earlier days, maybe on a mountain with the multitudes, maybe just he heard they were given free meals. We don't know. He could have just heard Jesus on the outskirts of town. And, but he knew about the new kingdom. And he believed there was a kingdom beyond the grave. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It is possible that this sinner understood the teaching of the kingdom better than Jesus' most intimate friends. They had all abandoned him. The rest of the story is amazing. Jesus was dying, dying a cruel death, but gave compassion and grace to a sinner who needed a Savior. Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Therefore, today we come to praise the Savior. This remarkable story is a story of persistence, of timing. Do you have friends or family that maybe have not accepted Jesus yet? Perhaps your persistent life and, your, and the situational timing can, can make a difference for another sinner, another sinner like me. As we prepare today to take this cup, here are some words that Jesus said. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me Though he dies, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Will you pray with me? This bread represents the body of Christ given in our place. We give you thanks for, for this unbelievable sacrifice on our behalf. We love you so much, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Will you pray with me? Father, you have always required a sacrifice of blood for, for forgiveness. But this was different. This was different. It required a perfect sacrifice. And it was demanded to cleanse believers of all mankind. Today, we gather around this table to celebrate, to celebrate the eternal glory of God. And we do it in Jesus' name. Amen. You are a generous church. You are so generous. And we want to thank you. We want to thank you for for all you give. Last year, you gave $1,499,939.28. I think that 28 cents, I put a quarter and three pennies there at the end. But never mind. You gave a million and a half. That is a lot of money. What a great giving church you are. You know, we have 85,000 square feet of a beautiful building. And we serve all ages with worship and fellowship and service projects and family atmosphere for a, for a wonderful community. We have a wonderful church. Thank you all. But in, ad- in addition to that, and maybe even more significant, 20% of every dollar given, we help teach others outside these walls. 20 cents out of every dollar. With that money, we provide help to children's homes, mission trips, ministry schools, Hispanic church, 
Bibles in different languages, food, clothes, and those in need. And the list goes on and on. Thank you for all of that. But as we do some days, uh, we want to highlight just one of our ministries. And today I, I want to highlight our local Hispanic church, Church in Tyler, Iglesia de Cristo. Israel and Martha Sandoval leads this effort in the mission work. We started this church here at West Irwin several years ago, and there were eight members. They were all Israel's family. So uh, they went to a small classroom, and uh, they had a devotion, they had a, a lesson in, in Spanish. That eight members has grown to over 125 members since we moved to our west location. In 2017, we, we helped them buy the location on Greenbrier, and we had a 10-year plan. The plan is for them to be debt-free and autonomous. We are on track. In fact, so far this year, they had a special contribution just a few weeks ago, and they raised another $10,000 to pay on the loan. They do great work over there. They reach out to the community with summer programs for the children to attract them and hopefully been able to talk to the parents. But they do so much more than even that. As you can see some of these slides up there. In addition to the Tyler Ministry, Israel helps us with the oversight of the children's home in Mexico, Casa Hagar. They have 30 children. This children's home is located in south of Eagle Pass and managed by a wonderful lady named Claudia. Israel also holds gospel meetings in Mexico with his brother. Um, actually, Israel's got two brothers that are ministers. So one that preaches in San Antonio and this other one preaches in Mexico. Uh, the name of the town is about this long. I can't say it. So, but I will tell you, it's just uh, northeast of uh, Acapulco, and uh, thinking that maybe Israel wants me to go down there sometime with him, but he hasn't said anything about that. But uh, Israel has already held a gospel meeting down there this year, and and uh, there were several baptized, and many were strengthened. This is my point. My point is when we help a mission work, there can be a ripple effect throughout the world. So again, the point is thank you. Thank you for giving. Thank you for your generous hearts. The Lord is coming back and show us his glory. It's time to give and I'd like to pray for that. Father, we... We are so blessed. You have blessed us so richly. You have given us every, every gift we need. Father, help us, help us to be grateful here on earth so we can perfect our gratitude for when, you, for when we enter our heavenly home. Thank you, Father, for Jesus. And it's his name I pray. Amen. It's time for the kids to go to the uh, last class and before.
before Bill's message to us this morning. Let's all stand and sing to God be the glory number four. To God be the glory, great Well, this is a big day. Every Sunday is a wonderful family reunion day. We're thankful for all of you who are attending online with us today. We're thankful for another good crowd that is here as we begin the summer Sundays. And I'll be uh, starting a new sermon series today entitled The Ten Questions, the same as the uh, message today. I'll say more about that in just a moment. But one of the reasons it's big uh, day today is because our wonderful Carolyn Womack uh, has a birthday today, and as was said earlier, she is 96 years young uh, today, and still very active in class, very active in worship assemblies, very active in ministry. Uh, most people don't know this, but Carolyn sends my wife, Joyce, who is, as you know, has had a lot of health issues over the last couple of years especially, uh, she sends Joyce a text message almost every single morning, just to say good morning, have a good day, how are you? It is such, such a blessing. Uh, to have this friend and sister in our lives. Recently, our brother Gene Chandler turned 90. Uh, recently, our sister Gene Mormon also, I believe, turned 90, and I will never be forgiven for announcing that, probably. Um, and it, it's just such a wonderful thing. We have a wonderful Young at Heart group that's going to be meeting this Thursday. We have a great singing class that's going to be beginning uh, this coming Sunday. Uh, there's just so many wonderful, wonderful things uh, going on. And along that line, today, uh, one of our families is having a 74th anniversary. 
And that is Arnold and Agnes Abel. 74, is that right? So he married you when you were six? Is that, uh, uh, he was about 12? Okay, 10. Okay, she was 10. There we go. There we go. Well, Arnold is not feeling well today, so happy anniversary, brother, and happy anniversary, dear sister. What a blessing to have people. I think uh, we were talking, Kelly and I and and Carol, and you, you and your family have been here for almost 50 years or around 50 years. Uh, close to 60 years, 58 or 59 years. That is such an incredible blessing. What a wonderful, wonderful thing and, and what a, a glorious thing that says about our church family here and the blessing of these ones that are such great examples for all the rest of us. Uh, it's, a, it's a great blessing to be a part of all of that and it's also a great blessing just to see everyone every week, week by week, to be able to join in together in worshiping the Lord and reminding us of our great uh, connection with each other and being able to be a blessing in each other's lives. That is such a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, So today is a new series entitled The Ten Questions. And is this not the strangest title ever for a series on the Ten Commandments? (laughs) The Ten Commandments. Questions? That doesn't seem right, does it? Would a more accurate version today be the 10 suggestions? (laughs) Unfortunately, that's how it seems in our lives, in our culture, and those around us today at times, does it not? The 10 commandments have become the 10 suggestions. I like this story. One night, our family was doing a devotional that included the story of the 10 commandments. My husband asked, how many commandments did God give to Moses? Our five-year-old son quickly replied, too many. (laughs) I think a lot of us might feel that way. Certainly a lot in our culture would probably feel that way. And I love this little cartoon that you'll see. Uh, The group comes to the preacher uh, across from his desk, and they bring this petition. And what they say is, this petition requests changing sinner to, quote, person who is morally challenged. That sounds a whole lot better, does it not? Doesn't that sound like it's not quite as bad to sin? One author, Sarah Barrett, has written a recent book entitled Stand Up, Stand Strong. Just in the last couple of months that was published. And she says this, in 2016, the Oxford Dictionary named Post Truth their word of the year. Post Truth. She goes on to say, according to the Oxford Dictionary's definition, Post Truth is relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. So objective facts take a back seat. What's really important now in deciding important things is how you feel about something, your emotions, how you personally believe, whether that belief is credible or not. Post-truth. I'll say more about that um, and that longer quote next week. And so a question this morning, is there a place for the Ten Commandments today? Is there a place for the Ten Commandments today? And, I, you know, we'll talk about a little bit about the Old Testament versus the New Testament. I realize that's a part of the Old Testament. 
and the Old Covenant, the core of the Old Covenant, in fact. And, uh, and, and I get that. I understand that. But I also understand that all of those commandments in one way or another are renewed in the New Testament. Yes, even remember the Sabbath, although I'm having... I think I have a bad connection here. Hopefully I'll be able to um, uh, keep from hitting the wrong button. Uh, But even remembering the Sabbath to keep it holy is a reminder for us to maintain a regular day of worship to God. Maintain a regular time of rest and devotion. Um, And those are things that the New Testament brings out as well. So all of these are very significant for us as we try to apply them today. Is there a place for the Ten Commandments today? Perhaps an even more important question is this. Is there a place for any commandments today? Or is this really the post-truth world? (laughs) You have your truth. I have my truth. You have your beliefs. I have my beliefs. You have the way you feel. I have the way I feel. And so we act based on how we feel Not based on what is true or what is not. Not based on what is right or what is wrong. Because that may vary. Not based on what God's Word says, certainly. Is there a place for any commandments today or or maybe just suggestions? The ten suggestions. And maybe not even that. More and more people are saying, "I I don't even want you to suggest to me how you think I should live. We sang the song earlier from that great 119th chapter of Psalms. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Is it? Do we we really believe that? Or is that just Old Testament times? Really, today, thy word is not necessarily a lamp to my feet because I go by so many other things. How I feel, how the culture feels, what's going on in my life, what's going on in my children's lives. Those are the more significant things than thy word. This summer we're looking at the Ten Commandments for today for 21st century disciples. But we'll be doing that by calling each of us to ask ourselves a question each week that will hopefully cause us to consider whether we take that particular teaching seriously or not. Just as I've already shared a few questions this morning, each week we'll ask a specific question and then some others that relate to, the, to that particular commandment starting next Sunday. So as we read each of these commandments from Exodus 20, think about what question you might ask to get to the truth of whether or not we actually obey that call. See if you can think of a question that actually gets to the heart of what's behind that commandment. So this reading, it's also found in Deuteronomy 5, but I'm going to be reading today and basing these on the account in Exodus chapter 20. We'll start with verse 1. Exodus 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I think it's significant that that's where this starts. Before the Ten Commandments are even given... Before there is a call to live a certain way, God has already acted. I am the God who brought you out of Egyptian bondage and slavery. I am the God who has already delivered you. My deliverance to you is not even based on the commandments I'm about to give. (laughs) It's already happened. 
Verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. Verse 4, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Verse 7, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Verse 8, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Verse 12, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Verse 13, you shall not murder. Verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. Verse 15, you shall not steal. Verse 16, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Again, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Bill, that's Old Testament. You know, that's, we're under grace today. Those commandments don't mean anything to us today. Why should we care about those commands? I mean, are those commands even relevant in our life? today? Why would we be doing a series on the Ten Commandments, for goodness sake? Well, let's, let's think about these commandments. Number one, putting God first in your life. As our shepherd David Wicks led us in our shepherd's prayer today, he prayed that we would be able to put God first in our lives. We don't have a problem with that today, do we? We always put God first, right? There's nothing that comes in ahead of God, nothing that comes into our lives that we allow to be more important than living faithfully and obediently to God. No other message that contradicts the Word of God that would get in the way of that. The second commandment is about trusting in a God that's big enough to handle your problems. That's really what that second commandment says. Don't even worship the true God with an image, with an idol. And why not? Because like Solomon understood, God is too great to even be contained in this amazing, enormous temple that he built. And in the same way, the question that the second commandment asks is this, is my God big enough? Is he big enough to handle my problems? Is he big enough to handle the problems of this church? Is he big enough to handle the problems of your family? Because too many times we look for something that's different than that because we think that God isn't big enough to handle that. The third commandment speaks to our language. Speaking words that show your heart is pure. Don't you wish everyone in our country to, <laughs> could be reminded that what you say, as Jesus said, what comes out of your mouth comes from your heart? 
So is our language important? Well, absolutely. Of course, if what's in our heart doesn't matter, then I guess our language doesn't matter either. The fourth commandment, as I mentioned, making time in your schedule for what's truly important. Oh, we don't have problems with that today, right? Do you want to know about your devotion to God? Do you want to know about whether uh, you're putting God first? This is very humbling. Take a look at your calendar. Take a look at your calendar. See who you're putting first. The sixth commandment calls us to hold all human life sacred. I believe from the womb to the tomb. It's amazing where our country has gone on that. And it's also amazing that in the grassroots of our nation is rising up a generation so uh, so uh, aghast at the idea of abortion that they are being called the pro-life generation because they're smart. <laughs> they see the technology. They know about when life begins. And they also know that life is to be respected, including people that have made mistakes with their life. Seventh commandment, letting God determine your moral values and not the current culture. Oh, Bill, come on. We don't need a sermon on morality. We don't need a sermon on sexual morality. We don't need a sermon that talks about how God is the one who instituted and designed the marriage relationship. We don't need a sermon that talks about how when God created humanity, he created them male and female. Those two, none other Not even today. We don't need that. We don't need any kind of affirmation that uh, same-sex marriage is a sin before God. That the same sex in a physical relationship is a sin before God. Surely that's not relevant to our culture today, is it? The Eighth Commandment speaks to trusting God to provide for our needs. Trusting Him to provide for our needs rather than our own material uh, situation. So much so that we might be tempted to steal. Why? Because we don't think God is big enough to take care of us. The Ninth Commandment talks of speaking and living with integrity. Speaking and living with integrity. Yes, the truth still matters. There is ultimate truth, I believe. And there's also the call for us to tell the truth. But even more, to live the truth. Which is another way of saying live with integrity. Integrity can be defined as what you might say or do when you know no one else will ever find out. That's the definition of integrity. I don't like it because it's hard for me to live up to it. But I think it's right. The final commandment, learning to be content. No, we don't have any problems in our country with being envious, with being covetous, with thinking that we need to keep up with the Joneses, thinking that I just need a little bit more. Really, we could probably skip that one too, right? Maybe you're right. Maybe we don't have any problems with any of those. David also led us in prayer, asking us, asking God to help us to live such good lives that we can overcome evil 
And that's the biblical perspective, right? To overcome evil with good. To overcome evil by doing what is good. Not necessarily by uh, arguing and shouting uh, in the face with someone or arguing and shouting online with someone, but rather doing what is good. Doing these things, living this way, right out in the big front, in the big fat front of everybody to be able to see how we live, what we value, who we put first. And so another question that we've mentioned today is what about that Old Testament versus New Testament contrast? Well, let's ask it this way. Does Jesus require anything of us? Anything at all? Or did he just die on the cross, shed his blood for our sins, and now we've said we have faith in him, we've been baptized, and it's all good. Now I can leave that baptistry and just live any way I want to live, and Jesus really doesn't care. Jesus really doesn't require anything of us. He really doesn't care how we live. He really doesn't care what we believe. Because that's Old Testament, not New Testament, right? There are several scriptures, a lot of scriptures on your handout today. And really, the only one I need to mention right now is Matthew 5 through 7, which is what? The Sermon on the Mount. You cannot find anywhere in scripture a higher standard than Matthew 5 through 7. And yet, as you read those words, there's no indication, it seems given at all, that Jesus doesn't intend for us to actually strive to live this way. (laughs) appreciating the blessings of life at the beginning in chapter 5, being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Not being materialistic, but rather trusting in the loving Father that cares for us just as He cares for the birds of the air and the grass of the field. To be willing to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and let everything else fall into place. Jesus commands that. That's a different way of saying the first of the Ten Commandments. And then Jesus goes on and tells wonderful stories, calling us to actually do these things and live this way. Amazing. Just as Exodus 20 and the Ten Commandments begin with the blessings God has already given us, These commandments in the New Testament begin with the blessings that God has already given us. He's given us life. He's given us salvation. He's given us forgiveness. The wonderful image that our shepherd Galen uh, Siegler uh, shared with us as we gathered around the table this morning of Jesus on the cross and all the, the physical pain he suffered, not even counting and considering the emotional pain he suffered. The spiritual cry out to the Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The blessing of mercy and forgiveness that he shared with that thief as Galen shared. The great faith with which he died. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It is finished. That's already happened. How you and I respond to the teaching of the New Testament is something that comes after that. God has already loved us enough to send his son to die for us. He's not 
saying, well, should I send him or not? Jesus, do you want to go or not? Well, I don't know. Let's see how Bill lives his life first. The reason Jesus came is because he knew exactly how Bill would live his life, and he knew exactly how you would live your life, and that is a life that fails to follow that word of God. And so God came up with another way, and it cost him everything, and it cost Jesus everything, but he did it because he loves us. And that's already happened. And now, in light of that, he has called us to respond in faith by believing in that gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, by turning away from our life of sin, that's called repentance, by confessing this is our faith, this is our belief, this is our intention. And then by being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. Dying to sin, being buried with Christ through baptism into death, being raised to live a new life. Well, that's, that's what this talks about. That new life. Scripture tells us how we can do that faithfully. Again, here's the question. Is there a place for the Ten Commandments today? Ultimately, the question of the Ten Commandments and the Word of God is really this. Who calls the shots in my life? That's really what the Ten Commandments are asking. That's really what the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Mark, Luke, and John are asking. That's really what the rest of the New Testament is asking. Who calls the shots in my life? Am I living in a post-truth world As far as I'm concerned, or am I living from that great statement, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This week, take a look at each of the Ten Commandments. There's not very many of them. I think there's only about, um, oh yeah, ten. (laughs) As you do that, Ask these two questions. What question would you suggest gets to the heart of each one? If you were doing this series, what question would you ask to represent that particular commandment? What would you come up with? Your list is likely better than mine. I'd like to hear it. The second question is this. How would you answer that question based on how you live each day? Uh Uh-oh. So ask the question generally first. And then take a look at your life at your calendar, at your checkbook, at your social media, and ask yourself, okay, how do I answer that? It's interesting that these Ten Commandments were given 3,500 years ago, and yet they're still just as relevant as ever, just as applicable as ever, just as challenging as ever, just as needed as ever. And so what we're going to try to be is resolved, resolved to live this way, resolved to have these values, resolved to put God first. Because the world needs to see that in us. It's not just for our own sake, but because those around us need to see that so that they too can be encouraged and can see what this looks like and can say, you know, I want to hear a little bit more about that. Why do you live so differently than everyone else today? And we can tell them, the short answer is this, one word, Jesus. He gave his life for me. He saved me. 
He shed his blood for me. He loves me. And he's given me a mission and a purpose and a reason to live. And I'd love for you to have that same purpose. The 10 questions. I'm looking forward to this series this summer. If you can invite someone, that would be great. If you can encourage them to watch it online if they can't be here on Sunday, that would be great. If you need help with this resolve to no longer live according to the charms of the world's delight, but to live by thy word. Come as we stand, sing our song together. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have stood my side. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Today, Jackson Davis comes to be baptized into Jesus Christ. Uh, We love this family very, very much, Jermaine and Jennifer and all of their children. Uh, We're so thankful for them. We love them uh, so much, and they're such a part of us, and we're so glad. Uh, Of course, uh, all of your family is so very happy for you, Jackson. Your grandparents that we love so dearly as well. I think maybe some others that are in your family that know about this wonderful event today. And, uh, and we just couldn't be happier uh, for all of you. So, Jackson, if you'll stand up for a minute with me. Okay, I'm going to ask you, what do you believe about Jesus Christ? About his crucifixion and his sins. Okay. About his crucifixion and how he saved us from our sins. And do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes. Yes, you do. I know you do. And I'm so very proud of you for that. I'm so very proud of you for coming today because like you told me Wednesday night, because you want Jesus to wash away your sins. And I'm so very proud of you. And I'm honored to be able to do this today.
Jackson, because you have confessed that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for, you sin, for your sins, and that you want him to wash away those sins because of his death and give you the hope of the resurrection, I am now going to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins so that you might receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful to be here this morning. Thank you for uh, giving us the freedom to come here to worship you as, as your church and to study your word together. Father, you've uh, blessed this church in so many ways, and I pray that you continue to watch over West Irwin and guide us in the right direction. Father, as we leave here today, help us to uh, be the Christians that, that you want us to be and just guide us in, uh, in the right path always. Most of all, thank you for your son who died on the cross for our sins, and it's in uh, his name that, that we pray. Amen.